So you're scrolling through the internet, through the latest fitness trends, and the same thing keeps coming across your gaze. Red light therapy. And so you're doing more research on Google and you're seeing all types of different things. Red light therapy wraps to wrap around your arms and legs after a workout. Red light therapy helmets for the follicles to stimulate hair growth. And you dig a little deeper and you find all different types of people claiming different things about red light therapy. So you ask yourself, but are any of these claims true? And what is the science behind that? Well, let's talk about that on today's episode of The Science Behind That. Welcome to The Science Behind That with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists, and welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host, Atticus Hamilton, and look, I know, I know, it's been another, like, month, maybe even two months, I think, since I uploaded. Well, look, you know, I think probably a lot of you have given up on this podcast uh, because of that, unfortunately, Um, but I understand, you know, Uh, but one thing I can say is I have moved. So I moved uh, from Colorado to Connecticut, so literally across the entire country, which is crazy to me uh, that it's finally over, but it's finally over. I I moved, and so, you know, now I really am going to do my best to stick to two episodes a week, at least for the next year. and I know some of you are like, ah, yeah, but you've said that like five times, which is true. I have said that five times, but this time I actually mean it because, um, you know, I'm in a new setup now. I got all my stuff here and I think that it, it will be pretty straightforward for me to be able to do uh, two episodes a week, Monday and Friday. So if you guys out there, you know, want to give me one more chance, uh, I'd appreciate it. If not, that's fine. Um, But uh, that aside, let's jump into today's episode. So welcome to all of you veteran listeners. Welcome to all you new listeners. Before we get started, make sure and go grab yourself a nice steaming hot cup of coffee. Add a little bit of maple syrup to it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have coffee in front of me. I have like, um, I don't know if you've seen them, the, these uh, coffee alternatives. You know, I'm trying to cut down on caffeine, so I figured I'd give it a try. It's okay, but uh, nothing beats coffee. So uh, do me a favor and go grab yourself a cup of coffee. All right, so jumping into today's episode, uh we have a couple things to cover. And, you know, I was actually pretty surprised um, uh, when I was recording this episode because the data I found actually seemed to be pretty promising um, for a couple of these different um, alleged uses, I guess, of red light therapy. So we are going to get into that and uh, talk about that here. The first one is dementia. Sorry, I had to grab my notes. And uh, if you hear any noise in the background, I'm sorry. My uh, uh, dishwasher is very loud. (laughs) Um, 
But the first one is dementia. So with dementia, I went to the the best place to get a nice compilation of um you know the alleged uses of something, which is WebMD. Don't use WebMD for actual data, but if you're looking to find out what you know all the claims people make about something, it's a great source for that. So the first thing that um, people claim that red light therapy is great for is dementia. And this was kind of interesting. So uh, before we get in too deep, another, the actual clinical term, I guess, for red light therapy is called low-level light therapy. And um, you may also see it as low-level light laser treatment. Um they're pretty much the same thing, uh, basically red light therapy. Now, it's called red light therapy because red light therapy is a very low uh, on the light spectrum, and it's almost ultraviolet, and so that's why it's called low-level light therapy because like blue light is high-level just based on its wavelength, and then red light is low-level also based on its wavelength and the energy carried by it. So when I was doing my research uh, for dementia, it seemed like most of the papers out there were talking about um, laser light treatment or um, uh, LLLT, low level light therapy, right? It was mostly talking about low-level light therapy or red light therapy for the treatment of dementia in the sense of improving sleep cycles for patients. So with dementia and Alzheimer's, a lot of times with a lot of patients, one of the biggest symptoms we see is um, issues with sleeping. And so sometimes patients with dementia will just wake up in the middle of the night and think it's day and You have a lot of other um, uh, associated problems with it. Um, And so the papers I found were looking at the use of low-level light therapy to essentially simulate night and day cycles in these patients. And so in most of the studies, what they did was they put a... um, uh, a device on the patient so that the actual irises are not not the irises the retinas of their eyes would actually receive that light and um, they had different modes for morning afternoon evening and night and what the the study found was that those when when performed in that sense red light therapy did have a beneficial effect on dementia because it and, and Alzheimer's because it significantly improved the sleep of patients um, uh, with those conditions. And so to me that's kind of intriguing because that begs the question then, well, you know if it if it if it improves the sleep in patients with dementia and Alzheimer's, would red light therapy do the same thing in healthy patients? And uh, I guess I don't really know. Uh, I couldn't find any papers uh, 
specifically talking about that. If you guys know of any, or if you have any suggestions or comments for the show, send me an email at thescienceBT at gmail.com, and uh, maybe we can turn those suggestions into an episode. But I think that that's a, 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 a nice area of research to go forwards in the future. And, you know, when I was doing the research, uh, a lot of these I found to basically yield to the same conclusions. Well, the studies we found showed that there is a benefit, but more research needs to be done. So then overall, the conclusions for dementia and Alzheimer's is red light therapy effective? Possibly, you know. Um, now, why is it effective? It, it seems like it's effective because when done uh, correctly, it can improve the sleep of Alzheimer's patients and dementia patients. So, um, moving on here, the next one in the list was interesting, actually, was dental pain. So uh, people said that uh, red light therapy is uh, helpful in dental pain. So, of course, I went to the literature. And believe it or not, there are a lot of research papers on this very topic and uh, a couple meta-reviews. I always like meta-reviews over the individual research papers because meta-reviews when done through a, you know, credible institution, they're really nice because they essentially summarize the results of a ton of different papers and studies into a nice, easily digestible packet. So this uh, meta-review was uh, titled Developments in Low Light Level Therapy for Dentistry, published in the Journal of Dental Materials, May 2014. So, um, Ultimately, so this was a meta-review. They found 2,700 results when looking specifically for red light therapy and dentistry. Uh, 153, or it was reduced to 153. 41 were review papers or editorials, 65 clinical studies, 47 laboratory studies. And of all the publications, so not of the 2,700, of the 153, 130 reported a positive effect in terms of pain relief, fast healing, and or other improvements in symptoms. And 23 reported uh, inconclusive or negative outcomes. So, you know, basically we have 130 positives uh, and 23 negatives, you know. So, I mean, that's that's a, a, a pretty good result, I think. Um, you know, that's, uh, what, a 17% negative rate or um, uh, an 83% like success rate, I guess. So, at least out of those 153 studies. So, that's pretty good. It appears from this paper that um, their data suggests that red light therapy is direct application is uh, very helpful when relieving pain during um, oral surgeries. And so using that, I dug a little deeper and um, looked to see if there is any papers that look specifically at pain relief. And I did find... um, one paper titled, Does the Use of Low-Level Light Therapy 
um, reduce pain, edema, and neurosensory disorders following orthognatic, orthognatic, I can never say that word, surgery. Uh, and this was, again, another meta-review. So, uh, real quick, what is uh, orthognathic surgery? Orthognathic surgery is um, a type of surgery that aims to correct issues with the jaw. So, ortho, mouth, um, and then nathic, if I remember correctly, bone, jaw. So, it's specifically to correct uh, issues with the jaw. So in this particular meta review, they were looking at um, the use of LLLT in improving pain, specifically in the inferior alveolar nerve, which is in the jaw af after orthognathic surgery. And so ultimately, what they discovered was that... Um, of the three studies uh, evaluating um, the outcome of controlling pain, all were positive. Of the studies that evaluated edema, two were positive. And of the 11 studies that evaluated the neurosensory disorders of the infer inferior alveolar nerve, all of them observed a positive effect. Um, and so ultimately, they're saying here that of all the search parameters, in their meta review, um, all of the research papers that they found that either investigated pain, investigated um, edema, or investigated um, other sensory disorders of the nerve post-operatively, pretty much all of them were positive. Except they do add here that... Um, there were there there needs to be more uh, research conducted, but that um, uh, LLLT is minimally invasive, as we all know, if we've had any exposure to it, and so because of that, it's the possibility for use should be further investigated. So so far, it seems like. The claims made about helping with dementia and Alzheimer's may be accurate, as it seems like red light therapy um, improves sleep in patients with dementia and Alzheimer's. And we've also seen that when it comes to uh, pain, um, specifically dental pain, that the data is also looking promising for the use of red light therapy, as in... Uh, a variety of medical uh, medical reviews meta-analyses the results again seem to be promising so that's two for two <laughs> so uh, next of course is the an investigation into the use of red light therapy for hair loss and I'm sure all of you out or most of you out there who have heard of this have probably heard of it used in this capacity Sorry, I needed another sip of my fake coffee thing. Um, so anyway, uh, this paper, again, was a meta-analysis, and it was kind of interesting um, because while they did say a handful of studies have determined that um, the use of LLLT 
does stimulate the hair follicles and may be helpful in hair growth. There are also a lot of studies that are inconclusive overall, rendering the results as mixed. And they've also said that um, um, the studies that have been done suffer from power confounding and, and analytical issues, which resulted in a high risk of bias in LLLT studies. Um, and additionally, there's a dearth of well-conducted randomized clinical controlled trials, which therefore renders the efficacy of LLLT devices unclear. And so this was an interesting paper because they were specifically looking at devices uh, for LLLT that you can buy on like Amazon. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but I've seen like the, the little helmets, you know, they have all the little red light bulbs in it and people claim, oh, put it on your hair and watch the regrowth happen. And, you know, to me, that's always seemed kind of silly because um, at least in, 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 in a lot of instances, hair loss is governed by genetics and therefore the resulting um, endocrinology and, and chemistry of that individual, which is what causes the hair loss. So... You know, in, in men, a lot of times we see that men with higher levels of DHT results in an overall progressive thinning, thinning of the hair follicle, which then results in a falling out and causing hair loss. And that can either be due to, you know, anabolic steroid use. It could be due to uh, uh, alopecia. It could be due to a variety of different things. And um, so it was always... I don't know, it always seemed a little too good to believe to me um, uh, saying that, you know, these little light helmets help with hair loss. And, and it seems like, according to this paper, when those hair red light therapy hair helmets are evaluated, they're evaluated based on safety and not efficacy. So, you know, something can be 100% safe, and do nothing. And and so I think that that's what they're trying to say here, which is due to the fact that there's very little um, clinical trials out there, more data needs to be conducted. Um, <clears throat> so I did continue looking, and I found another article called Low-level laser therapy in hair regrowth and evidence-based review. And so here they reviewed evidence of the LLLT effects with an, a meta-review approach, basically focusing specifically on randomized controlled studies. Um, they used a lot of different databases for this. And um, from their research, they found 21 relevant studies, uh, two were in vitro, seven were animal studies, and 12 were clinical trials. Among these clinical studies, only five were randomized controlled trials, which evaluated LLLT effect on male and female pattern hair loss. Um, and so ultimately, only one of the five studies performed intention to treat analysis. And what that means is one of their five randomized uh, clinical trials was conducted with the 
the goal to try and find a therapy or at least to try and determine if red light therapy is a possible treatment for hair loss um and they found that ultimately their those papers concluded that they did result in some sort of um benefit and so they concluded based on this meta-analysis all available evidence about LLT, LLLT and alopecia, we found that the FDA cleared devices are safe and effective in patients with male pattern hair loss and female pattern hair loss who did not respond to or were not tolerant to standard treatment methods. And then they continue to say more studies need to be done. And so this was kind of interesting to me because this meta-review seems to be contradictory to the other one we looked at uh, not too long ago. And so I think then when it comes to red light therapy and the use of hair loss, eh, you know, more data needs to be done. More or needs to be gathered. More research needs to be done because at least in my mind, the evidence there is very, um, still is very inconclusive. And that is in contrary to the last topic we're looking at, which is um, the use of low-level laser light therapy on muscle tissue in um, helping with performance, reducing fatigue, and repair. Um, and this was interesting. So this was a German article. Uh, luckily, it was translated into English for me because I don't speak German. I speak Swedish. Um and this was published 2012 in the Journal of Photonics and Lasers in Medicine. And I guess this is a German research uh, journal. So um, ultimately, this was a pretty long paper. Uh, and it got really heavy into biochemistry because they wanted to see if in a very brief sense, if red light therapy um, reduced muscle soreness and therefore increased um, performance. And they also wanted to see if um, there was any marketable, marketable increase in, um, in muscular repair. And what they determined was that through a variety of photochemical processes, which I will spare you from because it is uh, pretty in-depth, actually, which, I mean, is impressive. But um, ultimately what they found is mitochondria are the primary photoreceptors of, or photoacceptors of human cells. Um, and so what they determined was that because skeletal muscle particularly has a very high level or high concentration of mitochondria, red light therapy or LLLT seems to actually activate um, the photoaccepting aspect of mitochondria and stimulate a variety of different things. So some of the things that they found that were stimulated was producing free radical scavengers. So during exercise, you have two main free radicals that are produced. And what a free radical is, 
We've talked about this before on this podcast, but a free radical is basically a compound that does not have a complete electron octet, if you will. And so because of it, it very aggressively tries to steal electrons from other things. And it's, that's what causes oxidation to either genomes or your muscle tissue, whatnot. And so it's for a very long time been demonstrated that reducing oxidation reduces aging and reduces damage and stress. And so what one of the things this study found was that um, uh, red light therapy for muscular recovery aids in enzyme modulation within the mitochondria to produce more uh, free radical scavengers to reduce the overall levels of free radicals, thereby reducing inflammation and allowing, you know, the satellite cells of the muscles to do their job. And if you don't know, satellite cells are the cells responsible primarily for muscular repair. And along with that, they also found that red light therapy seemed to um, activate the mitochondria in ways that further enhance the ability of satellite cells to repair muscular tissue. Uh, and ultimately, that's, that's what they found. So at the end of the day, it was determined that within the muscles, what they set out to determine seemed to be accurate that red light therapy had an effect on performance, reducing inflammation and increasing the, or enhancing the ability of the muscle to actually repair itself. And um, so, I mean, to me, this was a very interesting paper. Um, And I I don't know, I, I would say that Obviously, more research should be conducted, but I think that with this, much like with the first two, the data seems to be in the favor of uh, red light therapy for for this and that there may actually be a therapeutic purpose or a therapeutic application uh, to red light therapy in helping with muscular recovery. So... Ultimately, out of all the things we talked about, dental pain, um, Alzheimer's and dementia, hair loss, and uh, muscular soreness, it seems like all of them, except for hair loss, came through really strongly for red light therapy. Uh, Hair loss definitely seemed to be more of a mixed bag and really in need of more conclusive clinical trials to be done. So overall, I was very surprised by the results of this. Um, you know, I, 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 I went into this thinking that because red light is perceived by the body as heat, I figured that, you know, if there were any observed ref- effects, especially for the muscular recovery, that it would be due to the actual thermal side of everything, kind of like hot and cold therapy. But it seems like there is evidence that suggests that it's the actual photons themselves that are interacting with the mitochondria and modulating uh, both enzymatic responses to stressors in the environment and, of course, uh, 
enhancing the ability of satellite cells to do their job. So that concludes uh, today's episode of the Science Behind That podcast. You know, honestly, I'm very surprised. You know, I, I thought that... Um, I don't know. I guess I had my mind made up about this topic uh, before I even recorded it. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to finally be back and uh, posting stuff. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember, as always, I will see you on Friday. Have a great week. And remember, stand up and question everything.